You're clocked out. We're locked in. You're listening to Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. It's a Friday, Friday here on Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh on the game. It's 1037 Lafayette, 1041 in Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Matt Miguez coming at you 402 on a Friday afternoon. And if you're watching on our Simulcast Stadium 32.3 and Channel 133 on LUS Fiber, I apologize for my attire. Yeah, to you absolutely better. nobody. Oh. Boo! Absolutely Boo! nobody. I refuse to apologize for rocking the Elijah Mitchell rookie jersey. 49ers. Hey, whatever, man. 49ers. Repping, repping the Cajuns. Fake fan. Repping the Cajuns. The, the, the fake fan nonsense is coming from my, my co-host and producer and the host of the game's prep report, Mr. James Mesh. Dude, that's such a tongue twist. <laughs> the game's prep report. Pre-game show. Hey, hey, man. It is Pre, it is. Pre-game and post-game. Just call it the prep report. Why you gotta say pregame show? Just to let them know. Still, even saying prep report is kind of prep report. Prep report. Prep report. Say that five times. That's what I'm saying. Prep report. Prep report. Prep report. Oh, oh, no, no, no. Done. You're done. You see what I mean? I can't do it. What's up, buddy? How you doing today? Oh, I'm doing all right. I'm having exciting Friday. How about you? Oh, I'm living the dream. I love, I love Fridays. You, I know. You're so corny. I am, but I really am though. You know about the corn song? It's a big lump with knobs and it has the juice. Uh-huh. Yeah, <laughs> I'm aware. Yeah. Um. Or are are you saying that I am a big lump with knobs? No, just saying corny <laughs> with the corn song. It's related. <laughs> um. So the big story today is the college football playoff has announced a quite major expansion. You know, you, you kind of thought that well, might be an understatement. They're at four. They'll go to eight. Maybe then go to 12, and then go to 16. No. No, we're going straight to 12. Straight to 12. You know the people that take two steps on the, on the stairs instead of just one? Mm-hmm. That's what that's what the NCAA did. Oh, they took three steps. They took three steps forward is what they really they went, did. They went and flexed. Um, they went and flexed on everyone. However, I've got to say, from what I have read, the format, how they implement it has remained to be seen. But on paper, the way that they are implementing it, it seems pretty impressive. So you're going to have 12 teams. It's going to be made up of six conference champions and then the six highest ranked teams. Four, the first four seeds will have a bye, and then the other eight seeds will play with the higher seed hosting the lower seed, either on campus or at other sites designated by the higher seeded institution so say for example lsu's the fifth seed they could say we want to play in the superdome that could get interesting i don't know why you would do that you would probably choose to play at tiger stadium could you imagine a college football playoff game at tiger stadium god that could be interesting college football playoff now at 12 teams interested to see how that plays out let's go to the hotline we got a man who wants to vent a little bit 
What's up, Jake? What's up, Matt? How you doing today? Happy Friday. I'm doing well, man. How are you? I'm doing well. Yeah, I'm I'm happy. I'm happy that the playoff is expanded. I'll start off that way. But I'm not exactly happy about the structure. I guess it's because my like my background, you know me, I love college basketball. But it seems like every division one college sport, every conference champion gets to compete for that national championship. And it feels like still, even with the expansion, I'm hopeful that maybe it'll expand in the future even more. But I feel like if you win your conference championship, you should at least get a shot at a chance of winning the national championship. And and I don't necessarily disagree. However, you you and I talked about this off the air. I I don't see conferences like Conference USA and, and the MAC where their their champions are, are seven and five, I, I don't see those conferences getting into the playoff, and I don't think that they should. Sure, but we see that in basketball all the time. We see like teams who win their conference tournament in basketball who have like a fourteen and sixteen record, but but hit you know catch lightning in a bottle, win their conference tournament, and yeah, they're a sixteen seed in the in the in the March Madness national tournament, but. Theoretically, they've got a shot, right? Like Georgia State won our won our conference championship for the Sun Belt. They were the 16th seed and had to face Gonzaga in the first round. But theoretically, they had a chance. So, so let me ask you this. Would you be a fan of cutting into the regular season? Yeah, I would, yeah. Like, like how they do it in FCS? Yeah, where you play like 10 games and then you have the playoff? Yeah, I'd be okay with that. Just at the end of the day, it means that like when you go out and recruit a high school kid, any team can say, "Hey, with you, we've got a shot at pushing for a national championship." You know, like if you if you join our squad, not only can we win the conference, but you've got a shot at winning the whole title. And crazy stuff happens. I mean, Marshall Marshall just joined the Sun Belt. I know soccer, men's soccer, isn't college football by any means, but Marshall won the national championship in men's soccer. It's true. You know, it's true. We've had small small schools win national championships and all these other sports, but it feels like football is just that exclusive, you know, only the big schools, only the big teams can get it. How I envision it, and, you know, we talked about this off air, is like, you know, I think 12 teams is a little weird, just how, you know, a team gets a buy, things like that. But if you set it up 16 teams, the 10 conference champions get in, the next six best teams get in. So the SEC can still send their three or four teams to the tournament, you know, and you play for the championship. And obviously the smaller schools, you know, teams who play in the Sun Belt or Conference USA, the MAC, the American, are they, are they realistically going to win it? Probably not, right? But at least they have a shot. Uh, that's, that's fair enough. That's fair enough. I could see it going to 16, you know, in, in the next five to ten years. I don't see them going farther than 16, though. Yeah, that's fair. And I think I think even like lengthening that, where you have the eight highest-ranked conference champions, that's great. You know, I was looking over the, the rankings, the final AP rankings coming, coming out last year before the bowl games were decided, before the, uh, the college football – or the, I guess the rankings that formed the college football playoff. But uh, the only G5 school ahead of UL in those rankings were, was Houston. Yeah. And they didn't win their conference, right? Cincinnati did. So, based on the new structure, UL would have been playing for a national title, which makes me happy. 
Crazy to, so, crazy to think that, huh? No doubt. No doubt. Have a great one, guys. Love the show. Go Cajuns. Appreciate the call, Jake. So if you want to get in your thoughts on the new college football playoff expansion, you can hit us up on the hotline, 706-0111. James, I found a graphic, and it said with, the, with this new format, this is what the college football playoff would have been like last year. So your first round, your, your four teams getting a bye would have been Alabama, Michigan, Cincinnati, and Baylor. Okay. And then your four okay. first-round games would have been Oklahoma State against Ole Miss, Georgia against Pitt, Notre Dame and Utah, Ohio State, Michigan State. And then your, like I said, your your second round matchups, Bama would play the winner of Oklahoma State, Ole Miss, Baylor would play the winner of Georgia and Pitt, Cincinnati would play the winner of Notre Dame and Utah. And then Michigan would play the winner of Michigan State, Ohio State. I mean, could you have that? That would be a entertaining playoff. Things would have gotten real interesting with these teams last year. Kenny Pickett and Jordan Addison at Pitt. I'm not saying Georgia would have lost that game, but that game would have been entertaining. You can't tell me it wouldn't have been. Let's go back to the hotline, 706-0111. Joe, what's up? Hey, I just wanted to comment on your previous caller, you know, some ideas you had about the playoff. Why would there be a bye team if it was 12 teams in the playoff? I mean, I don't understand that. Marshall winning the soccer championship is, is like day and night compared to, you know, FBS football. Um, certain teams don't deserve – a chance at a national championship, they don't have the goods. It's, it's, it's that simple. Uh, when, when little schools can't even fill up their stadium, and here their fans are wanting to, they want to compete for a national championship. Doesn't make sense. I'm gonna hang up and, and listen to how you, what you got to say about it. Appreciate the call. Um, I, I don't, I don't know that I, I agree with that. You know, yeah, it is is not having a full stadium a problem in the grand scheme of college football sure but at the end of the day the only thing that truly matters is your on-field performance and if you're winning you know 12 13 games and winning your conference i don't think you should be shut out now granted am, am i a fan of everybody gets a chance no i'm not because that's not the way the real world real world works however i i do agree with the sense that you have 10 FBS conferences, why not give every conference champion a spot? Make it 16. Every conference champion gets an at-large bid. I mean, it gets an auto bid. You have six at-larges. And you would still you would still do it the same way they're doing it now. The seeds would still be discussed by a committee. So let's say last year, let's look at let's look at the Cajuns, one of the Sun Belt. Now, let's be honest, the Cajuns would have been a 13 seed, but they're still in. You still have the opportunity. You know, Northern Illinois, who won the MAC, probably would have been the 16 seed, but they're still in. So my, my point is, if you put it at 16, the, the reasons that this is good for college football is the more teams you put in the playoff, 
the more revenue that gets dispersed to other schools. The more revenue that gets dispersed to other schools, the more resources those schools can bring in, the more recruiting those schools can do. And what does that do? That makes the entire country of college football more entertaining. That's going to make football more entertaining and more competitive for everybody. And there will be no more of, you know, Nick Saban's a great coach, don't get me wrong. Should Alabama be winning a national championship every third year? Maybe, maybe not. You know, you make you make college football more competitive. You're getting new blood in there every year. You're getting more fan bases spending their hard-earned money on tickets to see their teams play in these playoff games. It's more revenue for everybody. You can't lose. It is a win-win situation no matter what way you look at it. College football expansion is a good thing. James, where where do you stand on this? I agree. I I wanted I wanted an expansion. I would have rather it be either an eight or a sixteen, because I hate when there's buys. That 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 annoys me, especially for a team when it comes to college like Alabama, where it's like they don't need the they don't need the buy. They already got like two or three extra weeks of having time off to prep for the game. You think they need another one? Yeah, no, I'm I'm totally with you. Um that 12, 12 to me is a weird number. It is. I don't I don't care for it, but I'm still glad that we've moved on from just 4 and we've expanded it times 3 to 12. Yeah, I mean 4 you were seeing the same three teams and then one new one every Yeah, we year. you only rotated one guy or one, one team. So, yeah, so it's like there be... was there wasn't a lot of parity. There wasn't a lot of parity in college football, and that's why it feels kind of bland. And then, you know, I've seen some people say, oh, well, if you look at the final rankings last year, uh, a four-loss team would have made the playoff as the 12th seed. Yeah, well, that four-loss team gave Ohio State everything they could handle. People forget that. That Rose Bowl was a three-point win for Ohio State. Utah gave them everything they wanted and then some. You can't tell me that last year's Rose Bowl game wouldn't have made for a hell of a first-round playoff game. You can I, I will never believe you if you try to tell me otherwise. I mean, that's just that would have been prime-time television for a first-round college football playoff game. Time's running out for you to score tickets to see the Houston Astros live in person. Go register in the Game Rewards Club to win four tickets to see Houston take on the Tampa Bay Rays on Saturday, October 1st. We'll even throw in a tour of Minute Maid Park and hotel accommodations that Saturday night. This is the last Astros weekend getaway of the regular season, and Astros weekend getaways are powered by Butcher Air Conditioning, La Meridian Houston Downtown, and the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. We'll take our first time out, and when we return, we'll keep it on college football. James and I will recap last night's games in the world of college football. And then at 4.30, Carter Carrolls will join us to talk about the Florida State Seminoles. And then it's a Friday, so at 5 o'clock, Jake Crane with Jake's Takes. Right here on the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. FanDuel wants to get you ready for game day when college football kicks off this week. Right now, new customers can get $150 in free bets guaranteed for week one. Just place a $5 bet and you can get $150 in free bets, win or lose. 
for LSU versus Florida State on Sunday. I will be taking LSU's money line and the under on 51 and a half. I think it'll be about a 27-20 game. You can also try a same game parlay or you can jump into the action with live betting or you could just go big with all the promotions that FanDuel has, like Odds Boost. If you're thinking of joining FanDuel, now is the perfect time to give it a shot. The app is super simple and easy to use. You're always getting hooked up with great odds, and when you win, you'll get your earnings fast. So see for yourself why FanDuel is America's number one sportsbook. Download the FanDuel Sportsbook app today and sign up using promo code KLWB and place a $5 bet to get $150 in free bets guaranteed to kick off the college football season. That's promo code KLWB. You must be 21 and older and present in Louisiana and permitted parishes only. First online real money wager only, $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as novel dropout site credit that expires in 14 days after the receipt. Restrictions do apply. See full terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. And if you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, Call 1-877-770-STOP. First of all, let me just say that Raymond Parsh III and Hannah Five Names are very rude. Yes, I get animated about social media. I get animated about a lot of things. But I'm very handy. I was going to say, I... Just kidding. No, I'm not. I've done word working with my dad for a while. I am I am not at all handy. I don't do it all the time, but I, I know how to use a hammer. Come on. Oh, yeah. I mean... I mean, will I check my fancy team? Yeah. Yes. But I know how to work a every hammer. day. Every day. Anyways. All right. Looking at the games from last night, James, I knew Akron was bad. Like, I I, I knew they were going to struggle. St. <laughs> Francis took them to overtime. Akron won it in overtime 30 to 23. Akron was losing at halftime. And they were only up one point at the end of the third quarter. And then with 542 left in the fourth, they scored another touchdown, but missed the extra point. So it was still only a seven-point game. And then two minutes later, St. Francis scored a touchdown to tie the They went on a five-play, 81-yard drive on Akron to tie the game up at 23 and force overtime. And then in overtime, Akron ended up winning the game 30-23. to But... Good Lord, man. That's horrible. Props to St. Francis, though, for hanging around. I mean, good on good on them. Good on them. Uh, a couple other games last night to look at Central Michigan giving Oklahoma State everything they wanted. 58-44. to 44. They scored half their points in the fourth quarter. In the fourth quarter. How about Spencer Sanders, though, for for Oklahoma State? Six touchdowns in that season opener last night. Uh, for Central Michigan, their quarterback, 36-49, of 49, 424 yards and four touchdowns in the contest. Wake Forest took care of VMI, 44-10. A couple other games. We'll get to the backyard brawl in a minute because that thing, oh, that game lived up to the hype. Tennessee took down Ball State, 59-10. to 10. UCF took care of South Carolina State 56-10. John Reese Plumley, the former Ohio, uh, Ole Miss quarterback starting for UCF now, 20 of 31, 308 yards and four touchdowns. He also had it added, added 86 yards and a touchdown on the ground. Man, what a debut at the bounce house for John Reese Plumley. He went crazy. Leading That's, rusher and leading passer for the, for the game. Yeah. That's, and and you know what you know what he does when it's not football season? He plays baseball for UCF. 
Yeah, he's a he's a two sport athlete. <laughs> that guy, God, show off. Florida International struggled, but they did get the win over Bryant in overtime, thirty eight to thirty seven. Toledo taking care of Long Island, thirty seven to nothing. Northern Illinois beating Eastern Illinois, thirty four to twenty seven. UAB blanking Alabama A and M, fifty nine to nothing. Louisiana Tech falling to Missouri, fifty two to twenty four. I'm okay with that. I was going to say you, you're you're enjoying that one. I am. Uh, I am okay with that. Minnesota blanking the Aggies, thirty eight to nothing. Tanner Morgan, an impressive thirteen of nineteen in that contest. Arizona State beating Northern Arizona, forty to three. Fresno State taking down Cal Poly, thirty five to seven. San Jose State beating Portland State, twenty one to seventeen. The two big games of the night. How about Purdue and Penn State? James, I called Purdue in this game, and I was nearly right. <laughs> yeah, you almost had it, but Penn State was able to take away last minute. Yeah, Penn State, Sean Clifford led them on a incredible drive in the fourth quarter. Eight plays, 80 yards. They went 80 yards in a minute and 25. Jake and and Sean Clifford, it was a great play. Kayvon Lee was their running back. I, I was I got back home from the Southside Notre Dame game probably about ten o'clock. And this game, when I got home, they had just started the fourth quarter, so I got to watch the whole four, fourth quarter. And there was a pick six by Purdue, or what what people are calling a, a puke six. Um, yeah, that was <laughs> the, the the guy was so out of breath he threw up when he got to the sidelines. Uh, poor kid. Anyways. And so they they make this drive down the field, Penn State, and they get to the ten, and you Purdue is lined up to do an edge blitz. They loaded the right side of the line, and they come on this edge blitz, and the running back James he literally just went on a little, you know, hook around, and is just wide open in the flat, and Sean Clifford just does a little lob over the top for six. They scored that touchdown with 57 seconds left to win it 35-31. to 31. And then the backyard brawl, West Virginia and Pitt, first time in over a decade that these two teams have played. They used to be conference mates for the longest time, and it was, it was Pitt. Yeah, Pitt beat West Virginia 38 38- to 31. It was a 10-10 game at half. Pitt scores 28 points in the second half. And Caden Slavis, 16 of 24, 308 yards and a score. And this game was won on a 56-yard pick six with 258 to go in the game. Again, Pitt winning 38 to 31. Our poll question of the day is up on social media. Am I a fake Saints fan for sitting here in a 49ers jersey? Is it looks fine to me there's a picture tagged next to the poll question and it's me in a 49ers jersey. Is it A, looks fine to me or B, fake fan? So far, 91% Calling me a fake fan. As they should. I uh, I think that's horribly disrespectful. Well, if you look at me, I have my Camara Saints jersey. 
I think that is horribly disrespectful. I am representing a former Cajun and former Erath Bobcat in Elijah Mitchell. I am not a fan of the 49ers. I am a fan of the player that plays for them. But you still got his jersey. How dare you? I, I do have his jersey. Yes, I do. But because it's That's a, where you messed up. Because it's his jersey. That's where you messed up. Not if you want if you want an Elijah Mitchell jersey, get his Raging Cajun jersey. Who's paying for that? You know how much that would have cost? Do you understand how much it would have cost for me to customize not only Elijah's name on it, but just to get the UL jersey right? You're not dedicated to the game. I have a Cajuns jersey, but it's horribly inaccurate. There's no stripes on the arms. There's no number on the back of it. Ask Coach Des if he can get the equipment people to make a jersey for you. At the next press conference. That would be nice. Ask him. That'd be nice. I'll give you $5 if you ask him. Oh, my God. And then if he does it. Oh, my God. Football season is here, and the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, wants to crown you the tailgating king with the ultimate tailgate giveaway powered by St. Landry Lumber, Austin's Outdoors, and the game. Score $500 to chop specialty meats, a new grill with accessories, a cooler, a set of chairs. I'm going to keep going. A $500 Visa gift card, tickets to LSU and Raging Cajun football games, and much more. Enter the Game Rewards Club, 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. It's the ultimate tailgate giveaway powered by St. Landry Lumber, Austin Outdoors, and the game. We'll take a timeout right here, and when we return, we will do a Florida State preview with Carter Carroll's the Florida State beat writer. For the Tallahassee Democrat, don't go anywhere. This is the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station in your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. You're listening to the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Hit high, hammered to left field. Going back, taking a look, is Holcomb, and it's gone! Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station. Driven pretty well and pretty deep to left field. Going back is Varsho, looking up. See you later! Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. It's a Friday fun show, 36 minutes after the hour. Crunch time with me, guys, and Mesh here on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the Houston Astros and LSU Tigers. Met me, guys, James Mesh. We're joined by the Florida State beat writer for the Tallahassee Democrat, Mr. Carter Carrolls. Carter, thanks so much for taking the time, man. How are you? Doing great. Thanks for having me on. So, you know, going into year number three for Mike Norvell, first two years were okay, but not up to Florida State standards. You know, what's what's the expectation headed into year three? Yeah, I think uh, a lot of folks around Florida State, fans, administration, and even the coaches weren't expecting to you know, reinvent the wheel the first couple of years. I mean, they, they really inherited a pretty bad situation, not just with the talent on the roster, but um, you know, where the where the team and program was at culturally and also just the fact that they took over uh, during the COVID-19 pandemic. So those first couple of years, I mean, you saw three wins in 2020. Uh, you saw uh, five wins last season. So a little bit of improvement, but obviously not anywhere close to where uh, this team wants to be. 
Uh, but I do think that this is kind of the year where it's like, okay, year three, uh, COVID's behind, uh, you know, the college football schedule. You know, you can have recruits on campus. You can, you know, do just about everything you want to do. So um, it, it, this is kind of the first season where the expectations are, okay, time to, time to have a winning season. Uh, they, they haven't had a winning season at Florida State since 2017. Uh, so they're, they're pretty hungry for that. Um, so, again, with, with where they had to rebuild the program, I don't think anyone is setting the bar high to where it's like, okay, they got to win 10 games or anything like that. I think they'd be pretty happy with a seven-win season. Now, let's start with the quarterback and Jordan Travis. You know, pretty solid career so far at Florida State, both in the air and on the ground. Talk about his game and how he's really able to lead this offense. Yeah, he, you know, he was a quarterback who, you know, up until probably the second half of last season, he was okay, but he wasn't anything, uh, anything too special. But then, you know, the second half of last season, he really started to turn it on. He had, you know, 17 total touchdowns, two interceptions, 65% completion percentage. And dating back to last season, uh, you know, Florida State has won, you know, six out of their last nine games. So I think there's some optimism that they're kind of taking that step forward. And, and a lot of that has to do with Jordan Travis. He's, he's taken that next step and, and certainly you know we we got to watch a lot of off-season practices and it was definitely noticeable seeing just the, the added confidence he has now this off-season was the first time florida state had a starter named heading into an off-season since the 2014 season with Jameis winston so that actually gave him i think a lot more confidence they added four transfers at wide receiver and that, you know, definitely improved the room enough to where making a lot more confident decisions. He's, he's throwing the ball more down the field and, and has more receivers who can win one-on-one situations. So um, in the past, I think this offense was a little bit more dink and dunk. Now you're starting to see more throws to the sideline and more, you know, one-on-one kind of, uh, you know, throws down the field. Talk about Trayshawn Ward in the backfield. You know, 14 carries and 127 yards with two touchdowns against Duquesne last week. Talk about him and the rest of the Florida State backfield and who can make an impact behind him. Yeah, they really got three running backs who are all pretty solid players and all tr- intriguing in their own way. Trayshawn Ward is a former walk-on who, you know, before last season, uh, they gave him a scholarship. He did pretty well, had about uh, 600 rushing yards, I believe, and you know this season he's he's kind of taken that leadership role. Um, then they've got two other guys who are pretty intriguing, and and really I think the most talented running back from the group is Trey Benson, who is a transfer from the University of Oregon and blew out his knee in in December of 2020, and hadn't really made much of an impact. I think he had 22 career rushing yards when he when he came to Florida State. So there's a lot of questions about, is this a good take? Is, is this guy even going to contribute? Um, but he has just really exceeded expectations. I, I predicted this is going to be the guy who leads this backfield in rushing, and I think it's just because he brings everything you want, the explosiveness, the power, the speed. 
He's an all-around back, six foot one, two fifteen. So he, he packs a punch. Um, then you got a guy like Lawrence Toafili, who is also entering his third year. Um, he's a pretty explosive player. He's only one of five Florida State football players ever to have a receiving and rushing touchdown of at least seventy yards. So that pretty pretty uh, home run hitter that uh, Lawrence Toafili is. So you have three different guys who can do a bunch of different things. Trayshawn Ward's kind of the shifty guy. Lawrence Tofili's your, you know, um, kind of home run hitter. And I think Trey Benson is your, you know, complete package. Talk about the wide receiver core. Who stands out to you in that group? Johnny Wilson and Micah Pittman are a couple names that, that come to mind. But obviously you haven't covered them and still covering them on a daily basis. You would know a little bit more about that group than we do. Yeah, this was a very bad receiving core the last couple of years. Definitely the worst in the ACC. They didn't have a 400-yard receiver in the last two years, which is just nuts. I mean, I, that does not happen in a lot of places. And they go in the transfer portal, they add four, and two of them were Micah Pittman and Johnny Wilson, as you mentioned. And Johnny Wilson really exceeded expectations He's a six foot seven, two hundred and thirty-five pound kid who actually played with Jaden Daniels at Arizona State, um, and he's just sort of your um, your red zone guy, right? So you know you're you're inside the twenty. He's the guy you throw it up to, um, but he can also be your security blanket over the middle. I think he um, gives this offense someone where you can just throw the ball up and and he can get it. Um, and he was the one I, I predicted to lead this team in receiving this year. Micah Pittman, you know, you probably know his brother, Michael Pittman Jr. Uh, on the on the Indianapolis Colts. Um, he, he is no Michael Pittman, but he is a, a pretty pretty good player who I think will probably be this one of this team's probably probably their second best receiver. Um, he, he's kind of built like a running back, uh, more quick than fast. But um, he's someone that I see Florida State using a lot in the screen game this year. And um, he's someone who can do some damage in space. He's their punt returner. So he's their guy who, you know, can make, make people miss um, in the short passing game. Uh, got a couple other guys. Um, Ontario Wilson led the team in receiving the last couple of years. This will be his sixth year at Florida State. And then Malik McClain, I think, uh, brings a lot of upside for this year. He's a true sophomore, former four-star recruit, uh, started in nine games last year. So I think they expect him to take another step forward, this being his second year. Had kind of a quiet first game, but I think he'll be one of the top contributors this year as well. Transitioning over to the defensive side, the Seminoles are going to have to re- replace Jermaine Johnson, who had a lot of production in his, as he's going to the NFL. Who do you see filling his spot? Yeah, yeah, and looking at this team, looking at this defense, there's no one close to Jermaine Johnson. Like, let's just get that out of the way. You can't compare anybody to that guy because he was just a freaking menace at defensive end last year. Um, But as far as, like, who will actually replace him, um, Jared Verse is the guy I think will lead this team in sacks this year. And you you probably may have not heard of him because he spent his first three seasons – at the University at Albany, which is an SCS program. Um, but he is just lightning fast and someone who flashed immediately 
in preseason practice and, and in spring practice as well. Um, and he's someone who, you know, may not be the most technically refined player, and he may not be the best against the run this year, but, you know, he has a chance, especially if he's going up against a true freshman at left tackle for LSU. He's a guy that could get two sacks in this game, conceivably, just because of how fast he is off the edge and how physically imposing he can be uh, with that speed. So he's someone to watch. Dennis Briggs is a guy who's been in this program for a long time. Uh, he played defensive tackle last year. He's moving to defensive end, and he's in kind of this hybrid role for Florida State. They call it the Fox defensive end. They're more of your edge setter, more of your tweener who can kind of do a bunch of different things for your defense. He's kind of a guy who's, you know, uh, too little to be a defensive tackle and too big to be a defensive end. So he is someone who, you know, if you've got a, a tackle who may not be able to uh, handle his size, he can um, certainly uh, uh, make some plays off the edge. So um, a couple of interesting guys there, but, uh, yeah, no – no Jermaine Johnson this year, that's, that's for sure. Carter Carrolls of the Tallahassee Democrat joining us here on Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh. Tatum Bethune and Kalen Deloach are two guys that kind of, you know, at least from my perspective, feel like leaders of the linebacker core. Talk about these players in that group as a whole. Yeah, I mean, just to, to show you, Amari uh, Gaynor, um, not expected to play this week. He's the career leader in tackles for this Florida State defense. And it's not going to be that big of a loss. I mean, Tatum Bethune and Kalen Deloach are that good. I think this linebacker unit is extremely uh, underrated. Um, Tatum Bethune, I mean, just a, a joy to watch that guy play football. He is someone that flashes incredible instincts and is a very aggressive linebacker. He's someone who it's like almost he knows where the play's going and he's going to diagnose it and his closing speed is impressive. Um, not a super physically imposing guy. If you see him out in public, you probably think, man, that's like, that guy's a football player, but um, definitely does not look like that when he's out there playing. Um, and Kalen Deloach is a, is a guy who his first couple of years at Florida State didn't really make that much of an impact and, and really wasn't that great of a player. But last year really started to come on for him, I think as he kind of understood the game a little bit more, it, it really started to click for him. And that's transitioned to the offseason. That's, I think, transitioned to this season where I think he can be a serviceable, or really more than a serviceable uh, linebacker for them this year. When you're playing alongside a guy like Tame Bethune, I think it also makes your job easier as well. Two more for you, Carter. You know, looking at this game in New Orleans on Sunday, how do you feel the the Florida State matches up with this LSU team? Yeah, it's interesting because I think the strengths and weaknesses of both teams kind of go with the strengths and defense, the the strengths and weaknesses of the other team. So, for an example, I think LSU's biggest weaknesses are probably their offensive line and their cornerbacks, just because there's a lot of uncertainty. A lot of fresh faces. I mentioned a true freshman at left tackle. I think both guards are supposed to be two transfers who have not played at the Power 5 level. Cornerback got a lot of new faces as well. Um, and, and Florida State, I think, has the talent at de- on the defensive line 
and um, at wide receiver to exploit, you know, maybe those mismatches. Uh, whereas LSU, their strengths are Florida State's weaknesses. They've got an incredible wide receiving core and an incredible defensive line. Uh, that's probably the Florida State's shaky positions is, is cornerback and the offensive line. So I think just looking at both of those matchups for both teams, I think LSU has the overall advantage because, look, I mean, I don't know if Florida State's got a player like Kayshawn Boutte on their team. That's a guy who I think could be a top-ten pick next year. And, you know, it's not just Kayshawn Boutte either. They've got, you know, Jare Jenkins, Jack Besh, right? they got Malik Neighbors. Um, you can't just double Kayshawn Boutte and, and call it a day. I mean, they've got some other dogs at that position as well. Defensive line's the same thing. Not just B.J. Ujolari, it's Ali Gay, it's Mason Smith. And Florida State's offensive line, you know, it's, it's not inspiring confidence so far. There are a lot of questions there. There have been some injuries there as well. Uh, and so when you're going up against one of the best defensive lines in the country, um, that's something you're going to have to game plan around. So it will be interesting to see if Florida State maybe tries to, you know, uh, lean on quick passes, getting the ball out quick. Um, I could see that being part of the game plan, but uh, we'll, we'll obviously have to see how they try to exploit that. But that cornerback position at LSU, I think they've got some guys there that could be good, but we just don't know it yet. So I think that could be, you know, one position to really watch. Very quickly, Carter, how hot is Mike Norvell's seat? You know, I think it's not as hot as people think. They gave him a one-year extension after last season, which I think may shock some folks. Um, but they're still on the books with Willie Taggart, and I believe his uh, Norvell's buyout is a little over $18 million. So um don't know if you have all the money to um, – survive that kind of buyout but you know never say never if he has a three-win season or another jacksonville state debacle anything can happen but again managing expectations i think a six or seven win season i think florida state fans would be pretty you know optimistic about okay the program's heading in the right direction and this isn't anything to really worry about Carter Carroll's of the Tallahassee Democrat. Carter, appreciate you taking the time. Safe travels to New Orleans and enjoy the game Sunday night, my man. Absolutely. Appreciate you having me on. Crunch time with Miguez and Mesh. 56 after the hour here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 in Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Matt Miguez, James Mesh. Speaking of those Houston Astros, how about Alex Bregman getting named the American League Player of the Month in the month of August? I mean, Alex Bregman has been on an absolute tear in 27 games throughout the month of August. He hit 362 with a 452 on base percentage and a 681 slugging percentage. Nine doubles, seven homers, 22 RBIs, 17 walks, and only struck out 10 times in 115 plate appearances with an OPS of 1.133. That is nasty. 
absolutely nasty numbers from the new father, Alex Bregman. Definitely looking to uh, become one of the leaders of this clubhouse or continue to be one of the leaders of this clubhouse as you head into the hunt for October. The Astros play the Los Angeles Angels tonight. An 8.38 first pitch. Lance McCullers Jr., 1-1 one one on the year with a 1.69 ERA. He'll go up against Reed Detmers, who is 5-4 with a 3.47 ERA. Hour number one in the books. Hour number two, Jake's Takes with Jake Crane coming right after this top of the hour. Sports update, you are listening to the game. It's 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station, your home for the LSU Tigers, Jake Crane, and your calls on the hotline. Coming up after this. You're clocked out. We're locked in. You're listening to Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Hour number two on a Friday fun show. Getting you set for your holiday weekend. Keyword there was your holiday weekend. Those of us in sports still have to work. Matt Miguez, James Mesh. 503 now on your Friday. It's time for Jake's takes. Let's bring in our guy Jake Crane, the host of Crane and Company. Jake, what's up, bud? Hey man, how's it going, guys? Just uh getting ready to watch a little football here in about an hour. All right, so we got four questions for you, and then we're gonna make some picks. So number one, obviously the big story, uh college football playoff announcing a, a 12 team expansion. Give me your thoughts on on, on you know, where you stand on this? Well, you know, I thought the number should have been eight. Uh, I think if you went eight, you take the power five champs and three at larges. Uh, Twelve to me is the cap where if you go past it, which we all know, if you're going to go from two to four, you're going to go from four to 12, you're probably going to add more than 12. But 12 to me is the cap where you start not watering down the regular season. I think that's a common misconception but you start running the risk of having to eliminate games during the regular season. That's what worries me because the more teams that are in the playoff, obviously the more games you have to play. And you're, you're starting to see now we've been at this 12-game regular season for a while. It used to be 11. The more that we add, eventually you are going to have to take a regular season game off most likely. I mean, you, you think about it. You add, you know, 16 teams. Well, I mean, now you're really adding four extra games. So if you were to make it to the conference championship, that's 13. Make it to the national championship, that's four. That's 17 games. I mean, that's an NFL regular season. So I I love more college football. Would I be super upset if we got more games to see? No. But what I worry about is it affecting the regular season. and Because the college football has the best regular season in all sports, in my opinion. So you're saying you wouldn't be a fan of a 16-team playoff with a 10-game regular season? No. I, I, I would much rather have an 18 playoff with a 12-game regular season. I, I just feel like it flows better. 12 teams now, uh, you know, going to the playoff, which I don't think they'll wait till 2026. I think you'll see this thing in 2024. Just like I said, there's no way in hell that Texas and Oklahoma are going to stay in the Big 12 until no. 2025. So it's going to be here. It's just going to be interesting to see, number one, how they split up the money and then how high it goes uh, with the number of teams that can make the playoff. Are Texas and OU in the SEC by next season? 
I think 2024. 2024? I think 2024. Because here's the thing. There's precedent. Now, we can't forget Missouri and Texas A&M were supposed to stay an extra uh, three years in the Big 12. Well, after the first year, the Big 12 was like, nope, we don't want any lame duck teams in our conference that are leaving. Let's go ahead and leave. So would I be shocked if next year they're in the SEC? No. But that creates a, a real problem schedule-wise because you can't just drop the schedule you know, a month before the season. Uh, they'd have to really do a lot of work really quickly. And anything that's run by the NCAA, uh, that never happens. It's like going to the DMV. Two games last night, pretty electric backyard brawl with Pitt taking down West Virginia 38-31, to and then Penn State and Purdue was another great game. Give me your thoughts on these two. Yeah, no, I, I thought it was fantastic. It was so good to see football. Hold on, my dog tracks. I'm like, hey, Mia, calm down. Anyways, I, you know, I was really – I was impressed by J.T. Daniels. I thought he played better than what I thought he was going to play. When you look at Pittsburgh, they were really whipping West Virginia up front on West Virginia's offensive line the whole game. But, they, I mean, the ball where J.T. got hit, and, and that Ford Wheaton kid is an absolute NFL player. Uh, he kept him in the game. Uh, but it was, it was good to see just a good football game. It's good to have that game back. It's good for college football. They need to play every year. Uh, and then looking at Penn State-Purdue, I mean, Purdue just blew it. They blew it. it. They look like a totally different team that last drive on defense. I was shocked. You got a three-point lead. It was almost like, all right, well, let's just play back, give up a field goal. Uh, and then when they realized that, that Penn State was driving, once they got past the 50, they started pressing everybody up. And then you overrun the back on the wheel route. I could, that's the Dan Mullen special. But Penn State, I thought, missed out on a golden opportunity last night. I mean, uh, Purdue missed out on a golden opportunity last night. Which game from last night caught you by surprise? Because mine was Central Michigan putting up 22 in the fourth quarter and making it a game with Oklahoma State. Well, you know, as a guy that grew up in Auburn and watches Auburn, it doesn't surprise me when you have Derek Mason. I mean, it's the same guy who who let Sarah Fuller kick for optics. So uh, I'm not shocked. I think that's going to be a problem. Derek Mason was very underwhelming at Auburn. That's one of the reasons that they parted ways. Um, but uh, I was very surprised, not that Central Michigan scored, but that they scored how they scored. I mean, Oklahoma State last year defensively was about as elite as it gets. They tackled well in open space. They didn't get out leverage. I know they lost their D.C., but, I mean, you, you, they couldn't even line up right in the second half. What games are you watching this weekend? I mean, obviously, you know, Oregon and Georgia – Ohio State, Notre Dame, LSU, Florida State. Which games are you watching closely? Well, I'm going to watch all of them, but closely, I mean, you know, I think UNC App, App State's going to be one that's going to be really fun to watch. Uh, I do think Georgia's got, or Oregon's going to cover. I like Georgia to win that game. I think Notre Dame, I mean, they're going to get absolutely destroyed by Ohio State. I mean, Agatha Christie will write a book about it. After it gets done, it's going to be so bad. Uh, you know, looking around the rest of the country, I'm interested to see Georgia State, South Carolina, too. I'm telling you right now, Sean Elliott and Georgia State, they're not going into South Carolina scared or afraid or, hey, we're not supposed to win this game. They beat Tennessee last year on the road, should have beat Auburn in the road. They returned most of their production. I mean, 15 starters is a lot. And Spencer Rattler, there's still some questions. So that's another one I'm keeping my eye on. But the slate's so good tomorrow. I'm just glad it's back. Jake Crane, the host of Crane & Company, joining us here for Jake's Takes on a Friday afternoon. All right, let's make some picks. First one, App State, UNC, in Boone, North Carolina. The line has now, swinged to, has now swung to App State minus one and a half. Who you got? Give me North Carolina money line. Uh, I know Chase Price returns. They returned four or five offensive linemen. Uh, they have two great backs, but they lost all their receivers. 
North Carolina struggled to tackle against Sam Yu, who basically brought the little giants up there with all the suspensions that they had. Uh, I like North Carolina money line, but I'm going to tell you, I'm going to go ahead and take the over. Primetime game on a Saturday. How about Georgia-Oregon in Atlanta? I think Georgia wins by two touchdowns. Uh, I'm interested to see you know, how Georgia offensively last year, everybody expected them to kind of open it up. But then JT Daniels gets banged up. Your receiving core gets banged up. You had that elite defense, so they played it pretty co- close to the vest. With the receiver group they're returning, they have the best tight end room in the country and one of the best I've ever seen. They go four deep there now that they've added Oscar Delp. The defense will take a little step back, but, I mean, what else can you expect after you lose what they've lost? I think Oregon will put up a good fight. I feel like this game may be a little higher scoring than what people think, but I like Georgia by two touchdowns. Kyle Whittingham and Cam Rising with the Utes of Utah, Billy Napier and Anthony Richardson, and the Gators of Florida in the swamp tomorrow night. Utah minus two and a half. Give me Florida money line. Uh, I, I think you're going to see a lot of cramping from Utah. Altitude does not prevent cramping in humidity. I'm not a scientist, but I do know that. Uh, you look at an Anthony Richardson. The unknown for Florida is the weapon. And while the roster is not usually what Florida has from an athletic and depth standpoint, I think if Utah goes in there and doesn't play a very clean game and they give Florida momentum early, Cam Rising has never been the guy through an offseason leading up to a season. He took over game three last year, two or three, I believe. I think Florida finds a way, and they kick a field goal to win it. Cincinnati, Arkansas. Cincinnati made the playoff last year. They do lose Desmond Ritter and then and Sauce Gardner as well. And then Arkansas really not missing much of a beat from a year ago other than Traylon Burks. Yeah, you know, I locked this one in on Tuesday on social media at minus five and a half. I think it's up to six and a half, maybe at seven now. I'm not sure. I think Arkansas wins by 10 points or more. Uh, replacing Desmond Ritter is going to be really tough, but you also replace two NFL corners. I do think Arkansas has the guys outside with Hazelwood transferring in if he can stay healthy. Trey Knox at tight end. The offensive line should be fine under Sam Pittman. But the defense continues to acquire depth. You get Jalen Catalan uh, back after missing half the year last year. Bumper pool uh, in that linebacking core. The only question I have about Arkansas is the interior of that defensive line. I'm not worried about the edge. I just don't think Cincinnati has the weapons and the experience. And look, going into Fayetteville as the new starting quarterback, with the way it's going right now, that place is going to be a madhouse. So I like Arkansas by 10 or more. Illinois and Indiana tonight. You know, Illinois, Tommy DeVito, Brett Bielema's head coach. Indiana's tasked with replacing Michael Penix Jr., who is now the starting quarterback at the University of Washington. Who are you taking in that Big Ten matchup? Man, you know, I like Illinois tonight. You know, they've played a game already, which is big. You get the kinks out from a mechanical standpoint, getting timeouts in, stuff like that, rotating players, special teams. Indiana not only lost Penix, they lost the OC, the DC. They basically cleaned house and started over. I think there's a ton of questions on Indiana. They have some decent players up front, but I think Tommy DeVito does a good enough job down the field this game that he didn't really have to do that much against Wyoming because Wyoming wasn't going to score because they can't throw a pass from you to me if we were in a phone booth together. So I like Illinois tonight. Notre Dame and Ohio State. Hell, with this new 12-team format, this might be a playoff game in a couple years. It's going to be a murder. Um, Notre Dame, look, the Bucknell kid, I know he can run. Uh, and and we got to remember, okay, Ohio State returns a lot. Okay, they return, ter- return veterans, too. They lost to Oregon last year early in the year at the Horseshoe. I think that that is going to be something that not only the end of last year they're pissed off about, but they, they've had it happen to them before. And I don't think Notre Dame has the explosiveness on offense and the secondary on defense 
to keep Ohio State from running this one out of the yard. There's a reason that spreads at 17. All right, so you can't vote on this one, but the Louisiana Raging Cajuns and the Southeastern Lions. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to go Lafayette here. Uh, again, I know they lost Billy, but but they have more talent in Southeastern Louisiana. Uh, I think they're going to be able to play pretty base, play, uh, play pretty vanilla, and be able to win this game handily. And then lastly, in the Caesar Superdome Sunday night, LSU, Florida State, LSU still hasn't announced who their starting quarterback is going to be. And obviously Jordan Travis is a talent at quarterback for Mike Norvell in Florida State. Who are you taking on that one? I like LSU. It's a de facto home game. I can't believe the spread's two and a half. I, I, I would jump on that all day. Uh, I think LSU has too many weapons with Boutte. I'm interested to see how Jaden Daniels, who I think is going to be the quarterback, operates inside the pocket. We know he's athletic. But when he gets outside of the pocket, he's got to make sound decisions. There's nothing wrong with tucking it and getting four and getting out of bounds. You'd much rather be in second six than try and force something. I think you'll see LSU give a lot of early throws, our easy early throws, get Boutte on the bubble, hit him on the slant, get him involved early. I don't think Jordan Travis throws the ball well enough. Uh, Florida State's got their athletic on defense. When have they not been? Uh, the defensive line should be pretty good. But, you know, talent over time equals a win. I like LSU in this one. And lastly, uh, there's a there's a game on the Plains that uh, Auburn might be on upset alert against Mercer tomorrow, huh? Man, I hope not. Um, <laughs> you know, again, if, if that happens, Ryan Harson may not make it to week two. Uh, I don't think Mercer has enough. i got a good friend that coaches there. Uh, they're going to put up a good fight. They're going to be well coached. Uh, but, look, science is science. Physics is physics. I don't think Mercer has the guys up front to be able to stop Tank Bigsby in that offensive line. Give me any other picks you you made this weekend. So I'm dropping the rest of them in the morning. You know, looking around the rest of the country, like I said, I like the UNC app over. I like Georgia State plus 13 and a half at South Carolina. I'd probably take that alternate line, go plus 14, but I'll give you my upset special. You want it? Yeah, I'm ready. You give, got? Me, give me Hawaii, who's a 16 and a half point dog at home to Western Kentucky on the money line at plus 500. I think they're going to be in there embarrassed after what Bandy did. I mean, Mike Wright just absolutely torched Hawaii. Uh, Western Kentucky does not have that guy. Bailey Zapp's gone off to the NFL. They lost Tinsley. You saw him last night with Penn State. I think Hawaii, money line tomorrow, uh, beats the Hilltoppers. Fantastic. Jake Crane, host of Crane & Company. Jake, appreciate you each and every week. We won't do it next week because – I, I've got I've got something to tend to next Friday. But, uh, yeah, you got to be there for that one. Yeah, no, I can't miss that. But uh, we'll we'll do it again <laughs> on the sixteenth, my man. Sounds good. Congratulations, you guys, and everybody enjoy their football watching out there. Hey, by the way, we had Brett Favre on the show yesterday, so go check it out. Crane and Company on YouTube it was really good stuff. Subtle plug by Jake Crane. Absolutely love it. Appreciate you, man. See you, bro. By the way, he 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 talked about the Brett Favre interview. Um, fantastic. And I did subscribe to their YouTube channel. Fantastic. Uh, every morning, 6.30 to 8 here in the Central Time Zone. Again, Crane & Company on the Daily Wire. Fantastic stuff from Jake, Blaine, and Cone. We'll take a timeout. And when we return, James and I will look at the college football schedule for tomorrow, make our own picks, and then I'm going to throw a hypothetical his way about Donovan Mitchell. We'll do that and more on the other side. You're listening to The Game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station in your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. If you didn't get tickets to LSU's season opener against Florida State in the Superdome Sunday night, not to worry. 
You still have a great time by coming out to Twin Peaks on Johnson Street Sunday from 6 to 8 to enjoy ice-cold beverages, burgers, and you get to hang out with me. It's the game's LSU watch party at Twin Peaks on Johnston Sunday night. Twin Peaks. It's eats, drinks, scenic views. James, you, you do the Twin Peaks commercial so well. You you imitate the Twin Peaks commercial so well. Wait, when? In the car the other day. Oh, where it's like eats, drinks, scenic views. Yeah, you, you did it you did it just so off the cuff and just so beautifully. But anyways. Um, it's the lodge mentality. There you go. There it is. So ne- we have a we have a bully in the studio. Um, There's a few of us, Miss. Uh, I mean, I bullied you to taking off that Elijah Mitchell jersey. Yeah. Um. Sure. Whatever. Whatever you have to tell yourself. What What do you have on right now? My Michael Thomas color rush jersey. So it's not the Elijah Mitchell. Yeah, but you 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 think that you're the one that that made that happen? No. Not, not, I think it was a collective group. I mean, considering we have ninety-two percent of our poll questions saying you're a fake fan. I'll let I'll let you I'll let you feel that way. Uh huh. James, my plan all along was to put Michael Thomas on at four thirty. That was my plan all along. Damage but, has been done, but okay. Whatever, Damage has been done. Whatever you need to tell yourself to make you feel better. All right. So again, we have a bully in the studio, uh, Miss Hannah. Five names. Has has decided to, you know, ruin my afternoon with her pre- with her presence. Uh, so hello to you, Hannah. I, I know you don't have a microphone or anything like that, but hello to you. Um, okay. I mean, she could get mic four and you get on mic two if we really need to. I mean, if, if she wants to do that, she's more than welcome to come sit next to me. But uh, all right, James. Let's look at the college football scoreboard for week one. And, and just kind of sit here and discuss some of the bigger games on the docket. We'll start with the game tonight. And and there's there's a few good ones tonight. Uh, Western Michigan and Michigan State is one. Uh, the, the line is <laughs> Michigan State minus 21 and a half. I think you got to take Sparty in this one. Um. Yeah, I'm heavily leading Sparty with this one. Yeah, and then the other big one tonight is Illinois-Indiana. Indiana minus one at home. The only thing about the Michigan State one, I was talking about it earlier where we were looking at Northern and Eastern Illinois. It feels like the always in, whenever it's two in-state teams, it always feels a lot closer than it should be. So I'm almost worried that maybe Michigan State... Oh, no. Nope. No? Nope. All the confidence in the Spartans. Oh yeah. Okay. Western Michigan's bad. I mean, I th- I thought it they would they would win pretty handily, but it kind of felt like three touchdowns might have been a little too much. Mm. Like it may I mean, maybe they only win 38-21. Maybe. But you know I, what I'm saying? I don't, I don't see that happening. I mean, it's fair. I, I see that being a pretty wide wide margin of victory. But uh, games on Saturday, you know, obviously the Cajuns and Southeastern. Since that is a FBS versus FCS game, there is no betting. Uh, you you cannot bet on FCS games, so that is that is the reasoning for that. Michigan, Colorado State, Michigan minus thirty and a half in at the Big House. That's that's brutal. That's just bad. That's gonna get ugly quickly. I tell you, quickly. 
It'll probably be about 45 to 3. At halftime. At halftime. That's going to get ugly quickly. I was going to say after three quarters, but, I mean, nope. halftime works too. Yeah, that's going to get ugly quickly. Uh, NC State, East Carolina. NC State minus 12 and a half. Uh, East Carolina might hang around for a half. I was going to say they'll... Maybe three quarters. They'll hang on a little longer than maybe people anticipate, but I think NC State should. NC State's going to run pull away, away with that. Pull yeah. away late. North Carolina, App State. This game... Is it's interesting because number one, I just want to have a conversation and want to know how the hell App State is getting a program like North Carolina to come to Boone. That that's question number one. Um, question number two: App State's favored. Now I know North Carolina lost a lot, and they weren't very good last year with the talent that they had. And then they've now lost all that talent. And App State returned almost everybody. I mean, Chase Bryce is back. Your three running backs from last year are back. You've got one or two of your receivers from last year back. And then the biggest piece that you lost on defense is DeMarco Jackson, the Sunbelt Defensive Player of the Year from a year ago. But man, App State minus one and a half, 56 and a half over under. James, I think you got to take the nears in this one. Yeah, I was leaning. I was leaning North Carolina because even though it is at home in in Boone, North Carolina, so for App State, uh, I'm so still you're going, taking you're taking North Carolina. I'm taking North Carolina. I'm I'm taking App State. Oh, you are. Oh yeah. Okay. Oh yeah. I, I think App State shows up electrified to be playing a big game like this in their own home stadium, and they just ball out. They might. I, they could very easily. What, what What's your prediction then? Are you saying it's going to be a three point game? Uh, they win by a touchdown. App wins by 10. You think they win by 10? Yeah. Okay. I mean, dude, I, App went to North Carolina and beat them. App went into Raleigh and beat them, or Chapel Hill, and owned them two years ago. That's fair because earlier in the day it was minus one in favor of App State. Now it's right. minus it's, one and a half. And so and yesterday, very, very easily could go that way, yeah. And yesterday it was North Carolina minus one and a half. The line has changed three points in a day. Yeah. Things will get interesting there. And usually when it comes to that type of swing and it goes in the opposite direction and even pretty handily that team usually wins. I don't know, I don't have a specific statistic, but I right. do know more often than not there's a swing for a reason. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, if that's the case, App State should hopefully win by 4, 5, even a touchdown, maybe more, who knows. 2.30 on ABC from Mercedes-Benz Stadium in Atlanta. How about number 11, Oregon? And number 3, Georgia, your defending national champion. Georgia minus 16.5 in this de facto home game for the Bulldogs. Um, Georgia, please? Dogs? Um, I don't know that I'm touching the line. I might go money line here. Mm-hmm. But definitely taking the dogs. Yeah, I'm easily taking the dogs. It does worry me. I think it would be closer to more of a 12, 13, 14 yeah. game. Now, if you want to go see the game in person, tickets start at $136. You could you could you could figure that out, huh? Huh, James? No. No. <laughs> I could figure it out, but I, no, I, I'll no. pass. Yeah. That that's what television was made for, right? Yeah. 
2.30 Cincinnati-Arkansas top 25 matchup in Fayetteville. Arkansas minus 6.5 with an over-under of 53.5. I would say give me Cincinnati if they still had Desmond Ritter. But not knowing what their quarterback situation is going to look like and knowing that Arkansas probably won't miss much of a beat from a year ago, give me the Hogs. They're going to be screaming Woo Pig a whole lot in in Fayetteville tomorrow afternoon. Again, 2.30, number 23, Cincinnati, and number 19, Arkansas. 3 o'clock on the SEC Network, Troy, and number 21, Ole Miss. Ole Miss minus 21 and a half? Are you kidding me? Give me Troy plus 21 and a half on that one. That is disrespectful. Ole Miss is good. Don't get me wrong. Minus 21 and a half? Oh, man. Let's go to the hotline, 706-0111. Chad's calling in. Chad, what's up? Not too much, man. Hey, man, that wasn't one of my two best bets, but I'm taking Ole Miss all the way. Troy is horrible, and Ole Miss is going to open up a can of you-know-what on them. Uh, I, I, matter of fact, I got them for 22, and they're going to they're going to they're going to easily cover that, just like um, uh, which we'll call it did last night. Uh, oh, Tennessee covered. But man, my two best bets though: Arkansas is going to roll Cincinnati. Arkansas is is always great at the uh, end of the uh, the beginning of the year. They then they kind of get exhausted uh, after going through that West schedule. Uh, Cincinnati lost a lot. Offensive coordinator LSU, they lost, I think, three or four defensive backs uh, to the NFL. Take take Arkansas all the way, minus six. And LSU, minus three. Easily take that one. They're going to win by 10. 27-17, man. Y'all have a good weekend. Thank you. So you didn't even give me the chance to, to, to respond. Troy's not horrible. Troy's not horrible at all, actually. Um, they now have a 10,000-plus-yard passer in Jared Doji. You've got Tank Bigsby, one of the top running backs in the group of five, in your backfield. And, you know, Carlton Marshall. James, Carlton Marshall has 100-plus tackles the last two seasons. He's a tackle machine. That's insane numbers. Coming from the linebacker spot, he has over 100 tackles in the last two years. And then Javon Solomon set the freshman record for Sunbelt Conference sacks last season. I think it was eight and a half from that DN spot as a freshman. Troy is, they're not, they're not going to contend for the conference championship, but they're not horrible. They're going to give Ole Miss a game. Do I think Troy wins that game? No, I don't. I would hope not. But would I take Troy plus 21 and a half? Yeah. Yeah, I would. I would. I think that's a 17-point game. Going a little bit further down the list. Oh, USC and Rice. USC is going to pummel the Owls. Minus 32 and a half. I'm thinking it's going to be more of a 40-point game. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe. Maybe 50 points. I don't know. Lincoln Riley's offense, Caleb Williams, who spent time in Lincoln Riley's offense and knows it already, Jordan Addison from Pitt, 
the Bolitnikoff winner last year, the best wide receiver in the country a year ago. You got Travis Dye, who was the running back at Oregon last year. Oh, yeah, USC. That could get interesting. I could see the headline now. It just says USC like goes crazy. I was, yeah. I was, like oh. all the fireworks go out. They could they could set some records tomorrow. Let's let's just say that Utah and Florida six o'clock tomorrow night minus two and a half for the Utes. Look, I like Utah. Kyle Whittingham's a great coach. Cameron Rising's a great quarterback. You got a couple of good receivers and you got a good defense. However, I don't care if Florida has been down. And I agree that it's going to take time for Billy Napier to turn that program around. But you are talking about Ben Hill Griffin Stadium at night. Utah's never played that before. Hit him with Ever. it. Hit him with it. Chomp. There it is. Yeah. Up, baby. Yeah, chomp. I'm going Utah. Oh, uh, I mean, okay. <laughs> Give me Florida in that one. Mercer Auburn. Come on. Come on. That's Auburn. Uh, Liberty Southern Miss. That game will be fun in Hattiesburg. Liberty minus three and a half. Yeah, give me the Flames. Southern Miss. It's going to take them a little bit longer to to get back to where they need to be. How about Utah State, Alabama? I'm taking the Aggies in this one. Not to win. Let me let me be very clear. Not to win. Really? Not to win. I don't you, think Utah think, State wins. You think they only lose by, like, 34? You think it's going to be like a 44-10 game? Utah State's better than some people think. You got Blake Anderson at head coach. You got Logan Bonner at your quarterback. They they spent time together at Arkansas State. They're a better duo than people think. Um, now, don't get me wrong. It is Alabama. I was I mean, going to say. It's, it's Alabama. I was going to say that's my only rebuttal. You got Bryce Young and you got Will Anderson. What do you, What else do you want? What else do you want, Matt? I don't know. I don't know that I'd bet that game. That's interesting. The only bet I would place is the Alabama money line, and it's probably like minus seven thousand, so you wouldn't make anything anyway. I don't know, man. I think it's gonna be more of a fifty-two to three game. Oof, oof. Notre Dame, Ohio State, OSU minus sixteen. Ooh, ooh. C.J. Stroud, Marvin Harrison Jr., Smith Najigba. This gets ugly. Oh, they're going to get quickly. They're, they're going to get their faces crushed. Notre Dame ranked five. I mean, I get it. They're talented. Marcus Freeman is going to be a good coach at Notre Dame, but it, it's it's Notre Dame. Every time somebody puts Notre Dame up high, they just it pisses me off. They they you just, don't deserve it. They they just they 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 just don't. They just don't. Um, going Georgia State South Carolina. That's another game that that Jake hit on. Ah, uh, twelve and a half. I mean, we'll see what Spencer Radler can do, but uh, Georgia State's scary. They set a program record for wins a year ago and brought everyone back. They're freaky. They may not. They may not win. No, they're gonna they're gonna compete. But though. but it'll probably be a one score game. I'll I'll tell you this. I am so glad that the Cajuns don't play Georgia State this year. We the Cajuns dodged a bullet with that one. And then Sunday, come on, James, Florida State, LSU, who you got? I'm taking LSU. I think it's going to be more of a kind of ball control game for LSU. I don't I don't expect them to throw out the yard. I get it. They have a bunch of wide receivers, but 
I think they just want to control the game as much as they can, get out of it. They'll score efficiently, but ultimately win 27-20. I think it'll be it'll be that type of game where the score doesn't show how the game went. You know what I mean? Yep, absolutely. Absolutely. So Delta Media is your home for high school football. You got five games on the docket tonight. St. Thomas Moore on the game, 1037 Lafayette. Acadiana High on MeTV 97.7. Karen Crow on Z1059. Southside played last night. Fell to Notre Dame on Mustang 107.1. You got the Vermilion Parish Game of the Week on 106.3 Radio Lafayette. The St. Landry Parish Game of the Week on News Talk 98.5. And in Lake Charles, you can listen to Barb on the game 1041. Make sure to download the station's free mobile apps to listen to your favorite teams at home or on the road. Delta Media is your home for Friday night football. We'll take a time out when we return. James and I will talk some Astros and I'll throw my hypothetical for Donovan Mitchell his way here on the game Southwest Louisiana Sports Station and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Sign up right now for the Game Rewards Club at 1037thegame.com so you can score tickets, gift certificates, and more. This is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. 542 on your Friday fun show. Crunch time with Miguez and Mesh. Matt Miguez, James Mesh here on the game. All right, James. So Donovan Mitchell was traded yesterday to the Cleveland Cavaliers for like half a roster. Yeah. Um So I I've been thinking about this and I have a hypothetical situation for you. So first of all, I, I want to ask you about the the Knicks, you know, mishap. They suck. Well, supposedly they offered Donovan Mitchell for because they didn't want to include Quentin Grimes. There's a there's a story out that Utah wanted RJ Barrett, Quentin Grimes, and three firsts. But the Knicks didn't want to put Grimes in the deal. They were willing to do Emmanuel quickly. And then if it was quickly, Utah wanted three unprotected picks instead of two unprotected and one protected. And so they said that they would do quickly and RJ with a protect uh, two unprotected and a protected third round. And so obviously Utah would not take that. And so that's when the Cavs came in with Colin Sexton, three first round picks, um, Laurie Markkinen and, and a couple other players. So here's my hypothetical for you. If you're the New Orleans Pelicans, <laughs> okay. And you said, you know what? Donovan Mitchell would be good for our team. Would you trade Jackson Hayes, Najee Marshall, and I don't know, Jonas Valanciunas? Oh. Not not maybe not Jonas. I don't know, because that's two centers. I don't know that you would do that. Um Najee Marshall, Jackson Hayes. I'm drawing. You're, you're struggling. I'm drawing a third player. I'll do this. This is what I would do. Well, okay. Let, yeah. Well, let's flip it to you. What 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 trade would you make for Donovan Mitchell? Look, I know CJ's the guy. 
Oof. I get it. But you gotta I feel like you gotta do it. Uh yeah. Yeah. Because I'm with you. Because well, if you don't trade one of your star guys that you're paying a gajillion dollars to, you're going over the lottery tax just with your starting five. Yeah. And then you got a couple other players off the bench that are gonna have to come off that you're gonna be paying a bunch to as well. And I mean, then when, you only got so much money. And then when you look at it, you know, Cleveland traded Colin Sexton. That'd be very similar to the Pelicans trading away CJ McCollum. Yeah. I, w- I would say McCollum, especially since he's 30, and you'd be able to go back to the to the youth. You'd, you'd go a lot younger because Donovan's 25, if I'm not mistaken. He, he's in his mid-20s. Yeah, 24, 25, something like that. So, he's my age. So I would do McCollum. God, that hurts. I know. It does hurt. That That's, hurts to think about. <laughs> I, I would try. I, I would see about McCollum. Maybe Hayes. Give give them a new center to work with since they've moved on from. I'd get rid of Hayes. Rudy if Gobert. You could. That's what I'm saying. CJ. Jackson. And then, throw in a couple picks, but then also maybe try to get somebody off of Utah's roster. Uh, I'm not super familiar with their roster. I'm going to look at it real quick, but maybe get a couple of players from them to see what we can do about that. Yeah. Now, if the Pelicans had Donovan Mitchell, I mean, you, you look at that team. I know this sound. I, I don't know how you would feel about this, but what about getting Nall back? I would love that. I was so sad when you got rid of Nikhil Alexander-Walker. So if you mean, could you find? Could you think the Jazz would give up both Naw and Donovan Mitchell? Well, those are two guards. I don't know that you they'd may, give you up may, both. You may have to go for more of somebody inside. You may have to try and get. So, did you see the reaction from Donovan Mitchell when he was notified of the trade? So he was playing at a golf course uh, yesterday, and when he realized that he was getting traded to the Cavaliers and Darius Garland, Jarrett Allen, Evan Mobley, and Kevin Love weren't a part of the deal, they said that Donovan Mitchell ran around the golf course screaming in happiness. So uh, he... um. He, he was pretty excited. And so Donovan Mitchell, once again, is a member of the Cleveland Cavaliers, and now the Cavs could very well be back in contention for an NBA championship. Let, let's be quite honest. Let's go to the hotline, 706-0111. Paul, what's up, bud? How's it going, fellas? Doing hey, well, man. How are you? I just talk about uh, my Knicks. Okay. How do you feel? You think the Knicks did the right thing or the wrong? I mean, anytime you have the opportunity to get a star player like Donovan Mitchell and you missed out, I think you did the wrong thing. I think they did the right thing. They, that team was asking for too much for that guy. He ain't no KD. You know what I mean? No, no, no Paul, I don't know what you mean. Because look all what they're asking for. And on draft picks, they're asking for first. They're not asking for no seconds. not like football where you're asking for four, five, seven round or nothing. You actually have a first pick where you can develop. 
they can develop um, young talent. They pick the right guys in the draft, which they haven't been doing good over the last few years. But they might hit, you know what I mean, and get some good young talent with those picks and 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 build. But you Paul, know, they but Paul, trust the process. But and Paul, that's all I think they did the right thing. Paul, let me ask you this: Why would you Why would you want to hold on to picks on the chance that they might work when you could acquire a proven superstar? Look, man, I wanted Mitchell too. I agree, I wanted Mitchell, but the the Jazz is asking for too much. You, the Jazz is rebuilding, so. You look at the um, Rudy Gobert trade and getting these picks from all of these teams, getting rid of their players. They ain't gonna have a lot of draft picks and be and rebuild them. They hit on them. Teams better watch out. You know what I mean? They they, 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 can, they can be the Warriors or some team in the future with those picks if they hit right. And then you 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 you're they're gonna be one star at least come a free agent and gonna look at oh look at all those picks they got and they can build around me. You know what I mean? Yeah, I'm, no, I'm with so, you. I'm with you. And they hold leverage on other teams with those picks. You see how, what the Lakers are going with? They they really hold no leverage because they only got two picks, first rounders, and teams want it. They want those picks. And we're not getting rid of those picks, Jenny says. You know they very valuable in basketball. I think more than football. Just my opinion, my brother. I finished list. Appreciate you, Paul. All right. You know the the more times Paul calls, the more. Fun- the more bad I feel for him. I mean, first of all, he's a Yankees fan. And I now gonna, I was gonna say two New York. And now he's a Knicks fan. Oh God. Bless your heart. Next you're gonna tell me you're a fan of the New York Rangers, Paul. Oof. God. We'll take a timeout, wrap up today's show on the other side. You're listening to the game at Southwest Louisiana Sports Station and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. From the Louisiana Raging Cajuns to the latest with the New Orleans Saints and Pelicans. Miguez and Mesh cover it all. I'm not worried. Uh, I think it's something that I can get under control. Now back to more Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Attention sports fans. Your favorite sports book, BetUS.com, is back for its 28th year of NFL action. With the industry's biggest sign-up bonus of up to 200%, BetUS offers their members the opportunity to cash in on all your favorite leagues, including the NFL, NBA, MLB, and more. Also, hundreds of new casino games, including the coolest European slots and live dealers waiting for you at the tables. You need a sportsbook with integrity and longevity, and you need to know that you're going to get paid. You need a sports book that offers everything, including live betting, MMA, golf, horses, esports, and all kinds of crazy bets. I've got a crazy bet coming for you in just a second. Call today at 1-800-79-BET-US. That's 1-800-79-BET-US, and you'll walk, they'll walk you through how to set up an account. Nobody in the industry gives better bonuses than BETUS. Join now, mention KLWB, and you can get up to 200% in bonuses on your first deposit. Head to BetUS.com and join today. That's BetUS, where the games begin. Matt Miguez, James Mesh, 56 minutes wrapping up today's show. James, quickly, apparently somebody on FanDuel Sportsbook placed a $7,500 bet on the Michigan State money line tonight. Here's the problem. Michigan State is minus 2500 against Western Michigan. So $7,500 would only pay out 300 Now, granted, <laughs> you're going to get your 7500 back if you win it. But, man, if you lose it. You'll look like an idiot. Wow. 
All right. Well, we'll see how Good that Good luck to goes. that guy. Also, Darius Rucker said Spencer Rattler would win the Heisman and South Carolina would win the Natty. Hmm. Think there's bias there? Hmm. Maybe a little bit. Shout out to Carter Carroll from the Tallahassee Democrat for joining us today, as well as Jake Crane for Jake's Takes. High school football tonight, college football all weekend long. We'll be back to talk about it all on Monday. For James Mesh, Matt Miguez, be safe, be well, hug your mom and them, stay classy Acadiana. This is The Game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Turn it over to my man James Mesh for The Game's Prep Report.